I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Relure Tech Podcast. I am your host, Dan Cavallari, joining you all the way from a very frigid Colorado today. It's very, very cold here today. And uh, if you've listened to any of the podcasts, you know that I record out here in my garage and I'm, I'm bundled up. It's very cold. Uh, but uh, that's not what we're talking about today. You don't really care if I'm cold or not. <laughs> I care. I'm very cold. Uh, but today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some, some custom bikes. Now, I have one hanging on my wall here, uh, and I feel like it's sort of a rite of passage uh, when you're in the bicycle uh, world long enough where you get to a point and you say, I want my own bike made for me by hand, uh, by artisans. Uh, and so I have a titanium road bike hanging just, just next to me, actually, on my trainer right now. Uh, and it got me to thinking, you know, in this era of super carbon bikes, uh, you know, fast bikes, lightweight bikes, is there still a need for the custom bike, uh, whether it's titanium, whether it's carbon uh, everybody has sort of refined their geometry and their technology to a point where it's very possible to get an excellent bike right off the shelf. So is there still an allure for uh, custom bikes in general? And so today, joining me all the way from Milano is Matteo Vicentini, uh, the product manager at Passoni Bicycles. And if you recognize Matteo's last name, it's because he has a somewhat famous father in the cycling world. And I'll let Matteo uh, tell me about that. But Matteo, first of all, thank you for joining me today. Hello, Dan. Thank you for having me there, too. It's nice to see you. And and Matteo, tell me a little bit about uh, who you are. Now, Passoni sort of has a unique uh, approach to how they hire people and, and what kind of backgrounds they come from. And, and your background is a good example of that. Tell me a little, little bit about who you are and how you came to be at Passoni. I'm Matteo Vicentini. And as you mentioned before, my father he was a former pro rider. He won uh, the Giro d'Italia in 1986. So since I was born, I was uh, completely deep in the bicycle world. I always have uh, steel bikes in my garage. I see some titanium bicycles in my garage when I was young. I'm a huge bike nerd. I used to collect a lot of bicycles, of course, Italian bicycles, because uh, they are the best, of course. <laughs> My way to Passoni is a little bit strange because uh, 
I graduated in architecture three years ago. I enjoy an uh, architecture firm from, uh, for uh, like uh, uh, two months. And then uh, I decided that this is not the way I want to live. I want to follow my passion and I want to make bicycles. I entered in Passoni being at first graphic design. So I help with uh, graphics on bikes, custom design and uh, brochure presentation and something like that. After some time, I became the product manager. Now I'm in charge of uh, prototype. Everything about uh, the product itself, it's uh, by my own. So I decide uh, everything of what I want. So I'm, I'm very happy for it. <laughs> it's interesting that you do have, in a sense, a design background with, you know, with, with architecture and, and bringing that to the bike world lends a, a unique perspective to, to what you do. Uh, and so I, I guess, you know, starting from there with your background and, and your passion for bicycle. Well, first of all, I have to ask, do you, as a collector, do you have your father's Giro winning bike? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> too bad. The bike, the bike, the bike was stole uh, like 10 years ago and we never found it. But anyway, you know, given your background and given your passion for bikes and your design background, you certainly lend a unique blend of skills to uh, bicycle design. So I guess that leads me to my first question, which is, you know, in the era of carbon bikes, are, are titanium bikes still relevant? Why would a rider want one at this point? Uh, if, especially if they're a serious rider who does a lot of riding, who wants, still wants to go fast, uh, is, is, is titanium still relevant? Yeah, of course. Titanium is still relevant. The market share is always being a little niche, but it's always been present from mid 80s to today. The main difference is that big brands in the past used to make always the titanium version of their Specialissime or their uh, road bike. Unfortunately, titanium uh, is very much expensive and is not profitable at all. A single set of a tubes of titanium bicycle cost uh, at least four complete frames for a carbon bike. Very not uh, profitable. Is still relevant? Yeah, of course, because uh, titanium has very, very nice ride. Titanium is uh, stiff enough, but without the harshness. It's comfortable, but without feeling uh, spongy and racing without breaking your back. So this is the point. It's like a magic carpet. Titanium is always the best choice if you want performance, but also comfort. A nice example of this product is that uh, a lot of former pro riders come to Passoni to have uh, his own titanium bikes. People that can buy and or can have uh, for free every carbon bike from the, from the peloton. But they decide to go from, for uh, one of our uh, frames because uh, after, a, after a life riding carbon bikes, now they want a bike that is uh, beautiful over the time, that does not age, also that needs a lot less of tension. Uh, they does, does not scratch, or if they scratch, you can remove it very easily. A bike that is fun to ride, but without feeling an oiling stiff. I'm curious if, uh, you know, over the course of Passoni's history, 
has the market for bespoke titanium bikes grown or has it basically stayed the same or has it gotten smaller? Uh, I mean, you said it's not profitable, <laughs> uh, which means, which to me indicates that it's probably a very small market. Has it grown at all? Cycling market in general is grown a lot in the, in the past years, a lot. Also with pandemic, the cycling market going uh, like a gigantic boom from carbon to aluminum and titanium also. But titanium, as I said before, is always being a niche of the market. It remain almost the same, but it grown uh, very linearly. There is some changing in the market. And of course, Passoni uh, has to adapt to it. So we are experimental. We are, we are uh, using also our uh, 3D printing dropouts in some of our bikes. And uh, in the next few years, uh, I think that 3D printing will change a lot uh, the game. 3D printing is uh, a fantastic thing because uh, you can think uh, outside the box. You can create shapes from uh, another dimension. You can create shapes uh, like the carbon bikes, but without being carbon. The other thing to note for those of you listening is uh, the titanium 3D printing while it's still relatively new, it does go back a few years at this point. Uh, and notably, I think it was a 2016 Tour de France, uh, Team Sky at the time was using 3D printed uh, titanium handlebars on their time trial bikes. Uh, I remember that I took some photos of it when it first came out and it was a big deal. Um, and since the, you know, and it actually looked fairly rudimentary, it still looked, you know, like it needed finishing and it, it was just sort of, there was some paint slapped on it. I imagine that process has been refined over the years, and now it's becoming more use, useful, uh, especially in the bespoke market like Passoni, uh, where you can offer customers something that they can't get anywhere else. You know, this sort of notion of, of personalized titanium uh, uh, componentry and, and frame, everything custom to you. So that's pretty neat. Um, which, you know, Matteo, I guess that brings up a good question. You mentioned earlier, you know, some of the people that come to you are former pros who have been riding carbon forever and now want something more comfortable, more personalized, something different for them. But besides the pros, who's the customer for a Passoni bike? Because they, they are not cheap. <laughs> They're very expensive. So who's, who are the customers that you see coming to you for these bikes? In our headquarters, we welcome people from all over the world, from Europe to Asia, from America, of course, and many others. Our customers come from uh, different social uh, situations, from the super rich to the enthusiast that, uh, who has been saving up from years dreaming to visit Passoni. A lot of people that came through, uh, with us uh, spend uh, three, four, five times money than they spend to their cars. So there are people that is not only passionate about cycling and uh, riding bikes but also the product itself and the italian craftsmanship between be, behind them our clients clients want a unique bike that suits their needs we produce uh, bikes from scratch from every geometry that is is possible to to weld together uh, if you want a very active bike we can do that you can if you want a very comfortable bike, we can do that also. If you want to, to race criterium race, we can do that. 
these clients uh, choose us because we are very good at it. Passoni brand is uh, almost 32 years old. The first prototype was still here in our museum. And uh, if you can see that, it's uh, almost the same. So it's very recognizable. Of course, uh, technology changed, technology updated, but uh, we are very, very stick to the, to the past and tradition. And also the geometry of the bike is uh, constantly moving. For many people, Passioni Bicycle is the perfect exit bike. The last bicycle you buy like a jewel, soft, something that uh, can remain in the time. But uh, of course, uh, as far as you know, as you, you are a, a rider too, bicycle can give you a lot of an emotion that jewels can do. Every people that came to us are very passionate. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's very nice because you can see that, in, that if it is, there is the, no second-hand market from Passoni Bicycle. Everyone wants to keep it. We just have about a minute left here before the break. Uh, Matteo, I'm curious, you know, as I've mentioned, these are, these are very expensive bikes and a lot of that comes back to the craftsmanship, but what does the consumer get for that price, you know, in, in terms of the experience of buying a Passoni? I mean, it's not like just going to the bike shop, picking a bike off the floor and saying, I want this one. What's the process like? Just briefly, we only have about a minute left. Passoni bicycle are an expensive product, yes. Absolutely. Uh, this is a very recurring question that uh, usually I like to answer by inviting people to our headquarters to see how it works. And, but we can divide the, the reason behind uh, the price into two macro areas. The first one is the material itself, and the second is the production process. Passoni uses uh, only grade 9 titanium, double or triple battery. That means that titanium has a different thickness in its length, thicker in the ends to be resistant to the weld for the weldings, and thinner in the middle to save weight. Tubes with differentiated uh, thickness are much more, more expensive and a constant, than a constant thickness tubing. Also significantly lighter, so it, it's quite cool to, to have it on their own bike. While the most stressed parts of the bicycle, like dropouts, head tube, bottom bracket, and brake mounts, are made by grade five titanium. Everything that I mentioned are CNC machined from single piece of titanium with an enormous amount of waste. Of course, all this waste can be recycled and reused. The other focal point and what makes Passoni famous all over the world, even to a non-expert eye, is the finishing of the frame. If you look at Passoni bicycles, you can immediately see that the welds are flight to perfection, creating a unique look. The frame seems to be like uh, made from liquid metal. It's like a monocoque frame. To achieve that, the welds are made in a vacuum chamber and they are much, much larger and thicker than a classic visible weld. Only with that process, we can create the correct amount of material to achieve a nice transition between the tubes. With careful filing and polishing process that takes about uh, 30 hours, a huge amount of time in modern industry, we can reach that aesthetically. You understand that it's such a long process on a frame that is 100% made in Italy is a huge cost and it reflected the cost of, to the end customer. 
every Pasoni that you see in the, in the wild is built with the top end of components of the market. So it's very easy to reach a high price point like 20K, 25K. So it's very, very easy. So there is a lot of, uh, a lot of things that uh, helps to raise price in a Pasoni bike. Yeah. Matteo, thanks for your time. Uh, and for those of you listening, uh, you sh- if you want to see these beautiful, beautiful frames that Passoni uh, makes, you can find them at passoni.it or you can find them on Instagram, Passoni underscore Titanio. Uh, and it's just beautiful. It's really worth taking a look to see these these frames uh, and what Passoni has the capability to do. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and after the break, we're going to speak to another builder who works with a different medium, uh, a carbon builder uh, based here in the United States, and how that, uh, that process is different than the titanium process and what people are looking for in terms of a custom carbon bike versus an off-the-shelf uh, carbon bike that they can get at any bike shop. Uh, Matteo, thank you again. And for those of you listening, we will be right back. Why, hello there. Podcast interruption alert, but I will only take a few short moments to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, you will love the regular magazine. So if you're not a reader already, then you can subscribe at ruler.cc for as little as £6 per month. If you don't speak Northern Irish, that's six times 100 pennies. And for the price of a few coffees, you get regular columns from the wonderful Ned Bolting, myself, Orla Shinnow, and some of the very finest independent cycling journalism there is, all wrapped up in a wondrously beautiful publication. Go to ruler.cc. I'll leave you to it. So my name is Oren Peleg and I'm an investor in Lekka. Three things that really caught my eye. The first one is, is they're looking to change the insurance industry, which is a very large industry and I think needs change. The second thing is, is I'm deeply passionate about getting people onto wheel. We need to address our congestion and pollution crisis, and I believe that two wheels have a massive role to play in that. And the third thing is, I can see a growing trend around companies building on the strong communities that they have, and I think Lacquer's business model in the way they tap into the community of cyclists is something that's very much on trend at the moment. We are back with the Ruler Tech Podcast. I am your host, Dan Cavallari. I am still here in Colorado. I'm still in my garage shivering. It's very cold here today. Uh, but, you know, before the break, we talked about, uh, you know, sort of the the prominence of, of titanium and still still hanging in there as, as a, uh, a material of choice for bespoke bikes and, and, uh, and custom bikes. But there's also custom builders who are more focused on, uh, you know, the modern wonder material, carbon. Um, There's fewer of them, I find, uh, but there are several. And one of my favorites here in the United States is Argonaut Cycles. And uh, that was founded by Ben Farver, who is joining me today from Bend, Oregon. Ben, how's it going? It's going good, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. And uh, thanks for joining us. So, Ben, you started Argonaut Cycles. uh, And first of all, just give me a quick rundown of, you know, very briefly, who you are, why you started Argonaut, and when you started Argonaut. Uh, Absolutely. So I started Argonaut in 2007 uh, in in Portland, Oregon. My wife and I had moved there, and I got into sculptural welding and was also uh, doing a lot of cycling at the time. I grew up riding a bike, worked in bike shops, 
um, had been a fan of custom frame building and then uh, decided to try my hand at steel frame building, having some welding and metalworking background. So it all kind of started and snowballed from there. I was one of, you know, probably a hundred custom steel builders at the time in Portland um, and then evolved into carbon primarily out of need to further customize and have more control over my raw materials um, and drive performance therein. Uh, and I was really, you know, I felt like I met the end of what I could do with steel and wanted to progress and I felt like carbon was the answer. You face a fairly uh, particular uh, challenge, I guess, as a carbon builder because you are using the most common material uh, for bike frames right now, which means that you're you're competing against off-the-shelf options, you know, like Trek, Specialized, Giant. What is it that you can offer uh, and what sets Argonauts frames apart from those those uh, bigger options that people can just walk into a shop and grab? The two biggest things that we point to for our customers are, one is customization. So being able to uh, tune the ride characteristics to the riding style, size, and power output of the individual. Um, and then the other big thing is it, that we focus on is, is ride quality. So it's a, it's a good question in terms of, you know, how do we compete against these bigger sort of bike, big five juggernauts and all their resources. Um, but I really look at it in another way in that our job in accomplishing the goal of creating a great riding bike for an individual rider is easier because we're only trying to make one bike for one ride well for one rider whereas they're trying to make one bike ride great for everybody. Um, so that, that customization and that focus on ride quality, because we know so much about who's going to be riding the bike, um, really it enables us to take our bikes to the next level in terms of utilizing all the opportunities that are presented with carbon, essentially. So it's a good point in, in terms of carbon being the most common material for bicycles. And I wouldn't, I would argue that that doesn't necessarily make composites, you know, commonplace or watered down. What it does is it speaks to the quality and the efficacy of the material as a material for making a bicycle out of. It's, it's really such a cool material because you can make it do so many different things at once. And again, progress past, I feel like, what you can do with steel or tie. That's a really interesting concept to me is the sort of almost like reverse engineering of, of you know, making a bike for a wide swath of riders versus what you're doing, which is making a bike specifically for one rider. Uh, and and that's that's exactly, I mean, it almost seems like you have an advantage over the big box, or I shouldn't call them big box, that's not accurate, but the bigger brands who are trying to appeal to a wider mass audience. So that's really neat to me. Given that you do have sort of this this cool advantage where you can tailor your construction to the rider specifically, why, I mean, there aren't a ton of small carbon builders like Argonaut. I mean, what are some of the challenges of creating that high quality carbon frame as a small builder, I mean, and you said you, just before the show, you said you started basically with one employee. Now you're up to 15. I mean, that's a lot of growth, but it's still a small outfit. So, you know, what are some of those challenges that you face as a small builder? You know, it's it takes more uh, scale and more equipment to work with carbon and composites effectively. So with um, steel or tie, you know, to, 
you can make a fantastic steel or tie frame with a good oxyacetylene setup or you know TIG welder and argon and, and jig and, and a mill. Uh, when it comes to making carbon fiber bicycle frame that will compete with and speak to the level of engineering in one of the big five frames, you need you, know, you need a CNC machine to cut your own tooling, you need an automated plotting machine, you need a big freezer to hold all your prepreg, you need the uh, scale to buy consistent sources of material, essentially. That's another thing that um, I think a lot of folks don't realize when it comes to making a carbon fiber bicycle is just sourcing the material. So we do all of our own testing here in our facility in Bend, and we make a we make a bicycle frame essentially just sort of starting in very simplistic forms. But then for consistency of testing, what we're testing from a fatigue standpoint, from an impact standpoint, that's a very specific material. And carbon fiber is made in runs, essentially. So if you're going to get that material from a secondary source, they could run out of that material when you go to reorder it. And so you can't make your tested frame anymore. So you have to go and, and find a new material to retest. And then you have to retest that material, essentially. So you have to have some scale to buy complete runs of material from a manufacturer um, and then in just in terms of the level of technology and equipment to make these high quality parts, um, there's just so many more kind of bigger barriers to entry. And that's, you know, why it's taken me 15 years to get to where I am. Um, it's not nearly as sort of turnkey as it is to, to make a, a metal bike. Not, and I'm not saying at all that that's not um, equally indif difficult and it's got its own challenges, um, but uh, the level of equipment to make a, a composite bicycle is pretty significant. Did you have to start with, uh, you know, obviously this, this equipment didn't just come to you immediately. Did you have to outsource any of this or like, how did you get to the point where you could build this over the course of however many years that you've been at it um, to the point where you have all this machinery in house? When I started out going from steel to carbon, I knew that I wanted to do something different than tube to tube style bonded and wrapped uh, construction, which, you know, was and is fairly common in, in our industry, um, because I feel like the level of engineering in composites overall, so aerospace, um, automotive, you know, has really kind of progressed past that level of technology, and it's not really utilizing the material to its highest potential. And I knew that how much equipment that took. So early on, I partnered with another composite company called Innovative Composites up in White Salmon, Washington, which is about an hour drive from Portland, and had a really fortunate and great relationship with that company. So they, you know, by working with them, I learned what it takes to make great composites. They, over, you know, around 2017, 2018, they really ended up progressing more into aerospace and, and space travel. And so my piece of their pie was getting you know, smaller. And at the same time, I wanted to kind of progress the frame and, and remake some stuff. And it just, it was just a good opportunity to kind of split waves with them. So I, I basically, you know, I learned a ton from them and, and a little bit of a blueprint of what I needed to make com great composite parts on my own. And that's what kind of gave me the confidence to kind of jump into the deep end from a com full composite fabrication standpoint.
And now everything is in-house in your facility in Bend, like you said. Yeah, we design our own tooling. We CNC machine our all of our own tooling. You know, we buy aluminum in bulk to make that tooling. Uh, we store, like I said, we you know we buy carbon directly from the manufacturer prepreg. We've got an automated plotting machine. We do everything here in our shop from design to building and shipping the bike, which is another thing that makes us really unique. Um, in the in the bicycle industry in the U.S. period, and then especially on the custom custom side of things. So tell me a little bit about who you have targeted as your ideal customer. I mean, what who comes to you uh, for a bike, and what are they looking for that they can't get anywhere else? Most often, it's a rider who has been cycling, you know, most of their life, has you know raced probably a little bit of their career, and doesn't really race anymore, and now they've got you know the time. And resources to buy sort of their their dream bike essentially is kind of what most of our customers come to. Um, that's kind of one end of the spectrum. There's another end of the spectrum that I think is you know just as if not more satisfying is riders who just can't find a bike off the shelf that fits properly essentially. So that's why they come to us from the custom geometry side. And then once they learn about you know how much more goes into the bike, I think they get more and more excited about the process. So um, it's, it's a wide range of folks, but for everybody, what we're trying to accomplish is, is essentially make their dream bike, whatever that is. So you sort of answered my next question, <laughs> which was, you know, what, these are incredibly expensive bikes. What does a consumer get for that price? And it sounds like you've sort of already answered that, which is, you know, the, the customization, the experience of, of getting a bike that's built specifically for them. Uh, but I also, one of the, the neat things that I, I think has, evolved at Argonaut over the last few years because and I bring this up because the last bike that I got to test from Argonaut was just gorgeous um the finish was was incredible and I think I don't know if it was new at that time uh but you have sort of some pretty unique paint options now can you talk a little bit about that what you're doing with sort of the finishes and 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 the paint and and sort of customizing that as well you know my philosophy is you know a but this physical thing should have an attraction to it, um, sort of like a person that you, you know, or meet in a bar or somebody and, and have it, this attraction. But then what I want our bikes to be is then, you know, once you start getting to know the person, the bike, you you are even more attracted and sort of fall in love with it because of all the thing that is inside of it, essentially. So, you know, we've always been a bike first and foremost has to has to look good because its basic form is such an attractive efficient uh design right so from a design standpoint you know composition is always first and foremost for us in terms of making a bike that looks intentional and put together in its whole from from every aspect of the component and then you also have to have the detail and the attention of the detail to uh, live up to the technology that's inside, right? Like you could have the most technologically advanced composite uh, or whatever the thing you're making, right? Like lattice structure, but if you don't treat it well in final finishing, you're not doing justice to that, to that product. So what we're really trying to do is make the finished form um, live up to the engineering, level of engineering that's inside the bike essentially. So that's why we do our own paint um, so that we can control that process so that we can control um, the quality, uh, also the longevity, and then also, you know, just a, just great overall aesthetics and attention to detail. And then, you know, paint is its own 
uh, bag of worms in and of itself. You know, it's a it's an alchemy in terms of you know the chemistry and then the mechanical bonding of the different substances and on the substrate. And, um, so it's a it's a, a rat's nest for sure. But you know you have to do it, and if you want to sell the bike, the kind of bikes we do, you have to do it well. So we put a ton of work into that too. Um, and I guess just as a final note, uh, you had talked earlier a little bit about in-house testing. Uh, can you just give me a broad sense of what that looks like? Uh, you had mentioned one aspect of it, but what I mean physically, what does it look like when I, if I was to see testing and pro- progress of a frame in your facility? What would that look like? To sell production bikes in Europe you have to pass uh, a suite of what are called ISO standard tests. So those are uh, apply cyclical and impact forces to a bicycle frame in a bunch of different directions, basically to mirror uh, the forces and the you know accidents that might happen to a bike frame in real life to make sure that that's safe for riders. So that's kind of our starting point. We do all of those tests in-house and to do those, um, we make impact fixtures. So for instance, we stand a bike frame up vertically in a fixture and then drop a 50 pound weight on it from about, I think it's 330 millimeters something on the fork. So that's to, to replicate, you know, somebody running into a wall or something. Um, and then the cycle testing machine is actually made by a company in Italy. It's funny. We, we ordered that to be able to do our own testing right before COVID and COVID chased it from Italy to the docks in San Francisco to Portland to our shop, like within two days after it left each of those places, those places closed down. So we've got this big fixture with a bunch of hydraulics on it that we attach to the bicycle frame and it, it cycle load tests the frame in a bunch of different directions for hundreds of thousands of cycles, essentially. So there's one that applies force to the saddle or to the seat post over and over and over again. Um, there's one that applies force to the fork back and forth. Um, I think that's 200,000 or 100,000 cycles. I can't remember how many. So hundreds of thousands of cycles to test the, the long-term viability of the frame. So one, that's a safety thing for us because we are doing everything uh, in-house and custom and, and new, essentially. We want to make sure that our theories are proven in real life, essentially. And then it's also just a product quality QC standpoint is, you know, we don't ever want to see a bike back here for any other reason than it needing to be repainted or a fresh set of components, right? So um, we want it to be safe We and we want it to be reliable and, and have longevity, essentially. So that's why we do that. And then the fixture and the equipment is, is how we do it. Ben, thanks for, for joining me today. It's, it's pretty fascinating to me to see how smaller companies are approaching uh, basically just added value to what consumers can get by going with a smaller builder. And I think Argonaut is a, is a wonderful case study in that. So thanks for joining me and thanks for uh, kind of walking us through uh, what, what goes into an Argonaut. Can, can you just tell uh, folks if they want to reach out to Argonaut where they can find you on social media and on the web? ArgonautCycles.com is our website. Uh, you can reach out to me directly, Ben, at ArgonautCycles.com and at ArgonautCycles is our Instagram handle. Awesome. So yeah, reach out to Ben. Uh, you can also reach out to me if you have questions at slow guy, fast ride on Twitter at slow guy on the fast ride on Instagram. And of course you can always reach out to ruler magazine at ruler magazine. We would all just love to hear from you. Uh, 
Have you ever considered getting a, a bespoke bicycle like this? If so, would you go carbon? Would you go titanium? Uh, and what's, what's the reasoning behind your choice to go with a custom bike? We'd love to hear from you, so please do reach out. Ben, thank you again for joining me today. And to all of you listening, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Ruler Tech Podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.